My five-year-old daughter had disobeyed me and I'd sent her to her room. After a few minutes, I went in to talk to her about what she'd done. Teary-eyed, she asked, Why do we do wrong things, Mummy? Sometimes the devil tells us to do something wrong, I replied, and we listen to him. We need to listen to God instead. To which she sobbed, But God doesn't talk loud enough. Uh, I relate to that (laughs) Lord we do ask you to speak loudly today talk to our hearts speak to us we pray in Jesus name my sermon today is titled listen and obey I had um, a song come into my head uh, about a week ago and um, a song I hadn't heard for 50 years, um, and probably none of you have ever heard of it. It was just a, a, a Romans 8:11 as a song it says, "If if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, He will quicken your mortal body through His Spirit which dwells in you." And um, I thought. What is that all about? What, why are you bringing that to me? It's, I don't even know what inspired the person to write the song in the first place or to put music to those words. It's not something that sort of jumps out at me and says, hey, yeah, that's wonderful scripture. Um, and so I sort of dismissed it. But the song kept going through my head over and over and over. And... Uh, so I, uh, I had to Google it to find out where it was in the scripture because I wasn't familiar with it particularly. And uh, I looked at different versions. I looked at the surrounding scriptures. And, and God uh, eventually um, got me to read it in the message version. And that helped a bit. And Romans chapter 8 is a fantastic chapter. That's the one that has God works to, to everything together for good for those who love him. And, and uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God in all creation. And those sort of wonderful scriptures. I'd just like to read the first half of Romans 8 to you from the Message Bible. <coughs> With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma, the one Paul was talking about in chapter 7, of not being able to keep the law, of doing things we don't want to do and not doing things we do want to do, is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-flying black cloud A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. 
He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now, what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God, God's action in them, find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what you're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. And this part is verse 11. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God, who raised Jesus from the dead, moves into your life, He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do, places to go. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. And we know we're going to get... Uh, sorry, and we go through exactly what Christ goes through 
If we grow through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Isn't that a great rendition of, of what it means to be a Christian? So I was still talking to God about, you know, what, what's this? What, why are you bringing this verse to my, my mind? And I got a little glimpse in this little testimony that I read. So six or seven years ago, when my brother John and his wife Laurie were working with the youth group, they met Amanda, a teenage girl, the same age as their son Wesley. Amanda came from a terribly abusive home and was eventually taken from her parents by the state. She has been part of John and Laurie's family ever since. Recently, after conferring with their two sons, John and Laurie legally adopted Amanda. She's 22 and her name is now Amanda Foote. She will even get a new birth certificate. Now John and Laurie have three legal heirs and Amanda has two new brothers. She no longer has any legal claim on her former parents who designed her, nor they upon her. The process was relatively simple. They had thought of Amanda as their daughter for a long time, but I asked if anything felt uh, different after that day at the courthouse. John said, absolutely. When the official thing was done, a huge change came in Laurie and me, sort of like when you see a newborn for the first time. And for Amanda, there was a change in her too. She knew she belonged. She knew we were her parents. The beauty of it all made me offer a word of thanks to the way clearing of our elder brother Jesus, God's beloved son. God has given us a new name, a new legal standing. We are his responsibility and his heirs and a new family, brothers and sisters in Christ and God is our true father. But God went even further. He gave us something that John and Laurie can't give Amanda. God gave us his Holy Spirit. In some ways, it's like God gives us his DNA. Even more than that, God implants in us his heart, his mind, his passion, his holiness. Now the Bible gives lots of different pictures of our relationship with God. It's, it's what we've talked about here of being his children, being his heirs. It gives us the picture of being born again, being a new creation. It gives us a picture of him as the good shepherd and us as the sheep. It goes, there's lots and lots of different ones. But today I want to pick, concentrate on the, the picture of Holy Spirit lives in you, which is more than a picture. It's true. Holy Spirit lives in you. It says so here in Romans, in the uh, ESV, verse 9 says, uh, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you belong to Jesus, Holy Spirit dwells in you. He says it again in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I don't really understand how Almighty God 
Holy Spirit can live in me. But that's what the Bible says. Because we know that the scripture in uh, Corinthians, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's within you, whom you received as a gift from God? And everything I've read this week, that same concept has been coming through. Holy Spirit lives in me. Holy Spirit lives in you. John 14, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, he will send the comforter, the helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, which he is talking to his disciples about when they were filled with the Spirit after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was in them. So what does it mean in our everyday life for the Holy Spirit to be in us? What difference does it make? Let's read verse 9, and 11, 9 to 11 again. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he will do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So what difference does it make? Well, the first thing, of course, is we have an assurance of life in heaven in that wonderful, glorious presence of Almighty God, loving Father, who lives in unapproachable light rather than living in the darkness of being separated from him forever. The second thing is, the Holy Spirit lives in us just as he did in Jesus. And uh, i just read you a prophecy that Isaiah says about Jesus, about the Messiah and the Spirit. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So right through the Gospels, we see Jesus displaying wisdom, knowledge. You know those times when, when it says Jesus knew what they were thinking? Now how did he know what they were thinking? We tend to think it's because he was God. But it's not. He chose to put his godness aside and became a real man. So he had to hear from the Holy Spirit. He had to 
have that same access that we have to the knowledge and the wisdom, the counsel and the might, the understanding. That's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? So, we see Jesus displaying that. And what did he do? He listened to the Holy Spirit and he obeyed. And that same Holy Spirit is in and on you. And he'll give you that wisdom and understanding and knowledge if we listen and obey. And then, of course, Jesus declared, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And a difference that it makes in having the Holy Spirit in us is that Jesus passed that mission on to us. Holy Spirit enables us to do what Jesus did. And we tend to think, we can't do that. I mean, that's another one we put into, he was God. <laughs> but Holy Spirit is here, in us, in you, enabling you. Jesus listened to his Father and obeyed him. And we're here, we're supposed to be like Jesus. And we feel, ah. Oh, that's too heavy. I can't do that. Come on. I'm not Jesus. But it's our privilege to live like Jesus lived, listening to our Holy Spirit. It's a privilege, not a burden. It's not something that he lays on us. It's something that he says, come, listen, and obey. Corrie Ten Boom, uh, I'm sure most of you have heard of Corrie Ten Boom. She said, I have a glove here in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself. But when my hand is in it, it can do many things. True, it's not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. And we are like gloves. It's the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand who does the job. But we have to make room in that hand. We have to make room for every finger to be filled. And I think sometimes we try and work like that <laughs> and have that part of our life that we say, no, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm not ready for that one yet. And that rather reduces what he can do in our life. So how do we make room for the Holy Spirit? Surrender. Wow. We hear about it. We sing about it. We sang this morning. Take my life. I'll give you everything. But it's not quite as easy as it sounds sometimes. Is it? Doing it's another thing. Sure, when we become a Christian, we make that initial surrender. But it's an ongoing surrender. And the Holy Spirit requires surrender. 
So we learn to listen, and then that's something we have to learn. It takes time, it takes practice, and then obedience often requires surrender. So one thing that requires surrender is to bring in tongues. I can remember feeling really weird and not wanting to pray in tongues in front of other people because it was, I like to be in control. I don't like to sound stupid. That's something I really hate. And yet, as I read the scripture, there are verses like, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. And so eventually I surrendered my pride and started to do it anyway. But you know where that verse comes from? It comes at the end of the uh, armour of God. It comes directly after, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The next phrase is, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. It's part of our weaponry. I knew that praying was really important and powerful, but praying in the Spirit adds a whole other dimension to prayer. It's working with the Holy Spirit. And it helps me to tune in. It helps me to hear. It helps in that listening process. Um, I read uh, a book just recently. I picked up in the Quran sale after Christmas. A book that I read many years ago, but I picked it up because I couldn't remember much about it. Um, it's called Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. Now Jackie was a young single English woman in, who was a music teacher in the 70s and she wanted to be a missionary. But none of the mission societies would take her. They said she was too young. She was only 22. Uh, she had not a lot of money. She had, so she had... Uh, but she really felt God saying to go. And uh, she went to this chick, but nothing opened up. And she kept saying to God, well, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? And nothing came. So eventually she went to her minister and said, God's telling me to go, but I don't know where to go. Nothing's opening up. And the minister said, why don't you just go, get a boat, get on a boat that's going on a long journey around the world and God will show you where to get off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she did. Um, and looking back she said it was absolutely amazing that this particular minister gave her that advice because he wasn't spirit filled, he was just a, a mainline church um, very conservative minister and who would most unlikely to say such a thing. <laughs> but anyway, she ended up in Hong Kong working in the one of the worst areas of Hong Kong um, in extreme poverty with drug addicts and the triad gangs in an area that the gangs ruled. They each Gang had an area within the, the, the walled city, and um, 
the police didn't even go within the walled city. It was that bad that they, they just didn't go in there unless you know, they went in a whole bunch of people and they really had to. But she went in there, uh, rented a little room and had a youth club and the, the guys came. And, but she, and she would tell them about Jesus, who Jesus loved them. She started off not being able to speak the language, but she <laughs> gradually learnt. And, and she said she spent about four years and nobody was responding. But it just amazes me that she can spend four years going into this place with all the gangs and, and nobody touched her. Nobody, they began to respect her. But nobody was responding to the message of Jesus. And then she met some Pentecostal missionaries because she lived out in the other side of that. Not she didn't live in the in the walled city. And uh, she says she went to every prayer meeting she could find amongst all the different missions. She says every day of the week I was going to a prayer meeting and praying for these people and praying that God would do something. And and uh, she met a, a spirit-filled couple who told her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and prayed for her. And she was filled with the Spirit and began to speak in tongues. And so she started praying. The Holy Spirit impressed upon her to pray in the Spirit for 15 minutes a day and then ask Holy Spirit to lead her to some people who wanted to listen, people who wanted to receive the message. And she said from that day on, the Holy Spirit led her to people who listened, who wanted to and she had an amazing ministry. It was like Teen Challenge in Hong Kong. She had saw addicts set free. But one of the things that amazed me about was that uh, she would, when they became Christians, she immediately prayed for them to be filled with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues. And then if they were willing to pray and speak in tongues during their withdrawal, they had no pain, no withdrawal. Uh, symptoms and she said it happened with one guy and then she said well Lord why can't it happen with all of them and it did just time after time they still had to be um, taken and trained and you know grow in their faith and all of those things but to, to be with to withdraw without all the, the pain and the uh, shaking and the Withdrawal symptoms that are terrible and can, can even be fatal if they're so badly addicted is an amazing thing. And I was looking at her website just uh, recently because the ministry is still going on. And she says, a new helper in our home for men, ad men addicts was weeping and weeping over one man who left prematurely. Why should I be thrilled at this? He's beginning to understand the heart of God. And now I wait to see him go on and on sharing this heart, whether it turns out well or not. Holy Spirit, help me to listen to your heart. Uh, I'm sure many of you have heard of uh, Yongi Cho, who has had the greatest, <laughs> the biggest church in the world, uh, Korean. He started... Uh, with five people, 
1958, after the Korean War, and built one of the largest congregations in the world. And one day when he was speaking, he was asked, uh, yeah, what did you do? But he didn't give how-tos other than to say, listen and obey. So making room for the Holy Spirit is something we learn. It doesn't happen instantly. <laughs> and we're not perfect at it. And I'm learning along with you. I don't claim to have this all down. <laughs> but Holy Spirit's challenging me, so I'm sharing the challenge with you. Listen and obey. Holy Spirit's in you, not just with you. And he's always there when we're awake, when we're asleep, when we're tired, when we're messing up, when we're just, not just when we're in church, not just when we're praying. He's always there. And if we listen, we'll hear him. We have to make decisions. We make decisions every day. But it's good sometimes to listen and obey when we're making decisions. I'm not su suggesting we, we have to hear the Holy Spirit for, you know, what to have for breakfast or what to wear or all those things. I mean, he's, he's the Spirit of the Father and a father likes to see his children having their own opinions and having their own things that they like and, and what, they, what they don't like. And, but there's plenty of decisions that do need that spirit of wisdom, understanding and knowledge. He wants to bless us, so it makes sense to trust him with financial decisions. Not just how much we give, but all of our financial decisions. Listen and obey him. If I'm having a hard day, the Holy Spirit's still in me. Often, uh, I ignore him because I want to be angry or I want to be hurt or I wallow in my misery for a while. But he's still there, patiently waiting for my surrender. And if we listen and obey, I believe God will, we will see God move in new ways. Not just in our church, but in our everyday lives. And we will make mistakes. As Sarah used to say, better the life of a kindergarten than a, than a cemetery. And uh, he also used to say, God can only steer you if you're moving. <laughs> uh, last Sunday afternoon, uh, we had a little bit of practice at listening to the Holy Spirit in our prayer meeting. We prayed in tongues for 15 minutes, which helped us to tune in. And then we spent some time listening. And uh, we all shared what we heard from the Holy Spirit. It was a wonderful time. It was really lovely. And Wendy had a, a beautiful vision of floating in water and learning to float. And uh, you know what it's like when you, if you remember when you were learning to swim, learning to float. You have to take your feet off the bottom. <laughs> You have to take that, that little step and take your feet off the bottom and then 
you don't struggle, you relax and float and trust that water will hold you up. And it's like that with God. He likes us to take our feet off the bottom and trust him. And then we find he holds us up and we can relax. So if you belong to Jesus, Holy Spirit dwells in you. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's Spirit is in them. God leads us out into an open, spacious, free life. So I just want to challenge you today to meditate on that statement. Holy Spirit dwells in you. As I began to do that, my first thoughts were along the lines of Peter's statement, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. How can a holy God live in me? But of course, we know that it's only because of the blood of Jesus, as Elise was sharing with us, that such a thing is possible. But don't stop there. Continue to think about the implications of the Holy Spirit living in you. And I believe that if we become more of aware of his presence, we'll find it easier to hear him. And our trust in him will grow. We'll find it easier to obey. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to teach us. Teach us to listen. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you are in us. And we are never apart from you no matter how our feelings go. Thank you, Lord. And we ask you to help us to listen and obey. Amen.